The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In order to thrive in today's competitive business market, you need to constantly adapt to change. In other words, reinvent yourself and your company. Welcome to Business Reinvention with host Nancy Lynn. This hour will have you listening to and thinking like the successful business leaders of today. Now, here is your host, Nancy Lynn. Welcome to 2013, and thank you for tuning in to Business Reinvention. This is Nancy Lin. I bring you thought-provoking ideas so that you can stay competitive and innovative. I hope you had a lot of fun during the holidays. Um, I know how difficult it is to get back to work after a long vacation, but I hope that today's story will shake us all up a little bit and get us to start thinking about what we can do differently this year. Last year on the show, we introduced you to the field of biomimicry. It is um, a process of finding inspiration from nature to solve human problems. If you haven't listened to the interview, I would suggest you to take a listen. Uh, it was really a very interesting discussion. Many companies now are creating new product designs based on learning skin from living organisms in nature. But the idea of borrowing leadership models from nature, well, that seems to challenge the notion that humans are the most intelligent and civilized species on the planet. So are they really leadership lessons in nature for us to learn from? Well, for the next hour, let's put aside our doubts and explore new leadership models that we, that, oh, excuse me, leadership models that have survived hundreds and thousands of years of unpredictable change and thrived under relentless competition for resources. And joining me today for the discussion is Denise DeLuca, co-founder and director of Biomimicry for Creative Innovation, which works to integrate nature's principles into businesses and organizations to achieve radical transformation. Denise, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nancy. I'm really glad to be here. Um, it's really exciting to have you as the first guest of the year, and um, I'm really interested to hear about the interesting work that you have done. But first, let's talk about conventional leadership. Um, how would you describe that, and um, why do you think it is no longer effective, um, or at least the most effective way to manage our future? Okay, well, thanks, Nancy. You know, conventional leadership is what everyone's familiar with. It's that, that top-down organizational structure. It's what we make fun of in Dilbert cartoons and in the office. It's, it's very much about controlling flows of information and resources with one person at the top and a set of people below them and below them with, with um, decision-making flowing one direction and then resources um, flowing up. Um, through the organization. And, you know, this, this uh, conventional business model has really served us well for, for years and years and years. You know, since the Industrial Revolution, we've relied on it, and it's really been the, the basis for our success. But now, uh, the assumptions and the models that have built the very economy and enterprises that we rely on just aren't valid anymore. You know, in an, in an era where it's commonplace for a new technology to completely disrupt an entire industry, the old advantages of, say, size and efficiency and control are just not enough. So we're now in an era of constant and unpredictable change and disruption. You know, it can come in the areas of, like, sustainability, where, where I like to work, but also it can happen in the economy and politics and social trends and, and, of course, particularly in technologies. So now we're in an era of constant and unpredictable change and disruption, like you talked about earlier. And to succeed in this era, companies need to have features like being nimble, adaptable, and resilient. And this requires a different set of assumptions than conventional leadership and conventional business models give to us. 
Mm, very good points. Um, and system thinking is um, definitely a new keyword phrase that we hear a lot um, for leadership development. And it is also critical to both sustainability as well as innovation. And as you said in one of your articles, most people are having a really hard time getting our heads around systems, especially when what we are supposed to think about are dynamic systems and systems of systems. Um, what do you mean by that? And what are the biggest blind spots of today's leaders that are holding them back from developing system thinking? Yeah, it's even hard to say it the way you did, <laughs> you know, systems of systems. But, you know, the, the thing is that we, we've always had to work within systems. Be, before we were um, really a civilized uh, society, we, we were part of nature systems. And as we developed our, our culture and our economies, we, we have ever-expanding systems. And now, today, we are so much a part of many systems, and they're um, inevitably global systems. And if you think for a minute about how systems work, you think about, you know, all of us drink, well, I shouldn't say that, but most of us drink coffee or tea. You think about, you know, the cup of coffee you may have earlier and all the systems it took to make one cup of coffee. I mean, you can think about just the bean or you can think about the milk that, that went into it or the sugar, the cup itself, the energy systems that went into it, the manufacturing systems involved in the coffee maker. You know, it's really endless. And all these systems are, are interrelated and they're complex and they're, they're constantly changing. So we all have to deal with systems. And they are so complex that most people get, frankly, just get overwhelmed. And, and that's the biggest uh, blind spot. We, we get overwhelmed with the nature and size and complexity of systems, so we tend to ignore them. And actually, uh, that, that's not a bad strategy. And we've done that for, for many years and, and it can, and it can still be quite effective. Like, for example, uh, my background is in civil engineering. And for many practical applications, civil engineers can safely assume that the world is flat. You know, we know that's not true, but for many situations, um, th that works just fine. And in business, the term supply chain ignores systems. And it assumes that value-adding flows of materials are mostly one-way and linear. And, and that used to be pretty effective simplifying assumption and but for many cases, that's just no longer true today. And so leaders know they have to deal with systems and, as you said, dynamic systems of systems. But it's hard to know which systems are important to pay attention to and how far we need to, to take this. And I just was reading in a, in a recent magazine that um, one leader said that business businesses now have to become, or global leaders now have to become political gurus and experts in dealing with the non-rational. I mean, wow, that's really upping this need to be systems thinker. And I'm guessing it's overwhelming for most uh, business leaders today. Yeah, definitely. And I, I wonder if it's also because once you are aware of the existence of different components in the systems, it requires a lot of collaboration. And that's, like you're saying, in the conventional leadership, that's not how we always work. Um, and so I wonder if that's also um, kind of existing challenge for uh, some leaders as well. Yeah, that's spot on, Nancy. And along with um, needing collaboration, we need to let go a little bit. As we talked about, conventional business models are very much about being controlled, um, being independent, being stable, being protected, being maximizing, and return on your own investments. So you, it's very much about focusing on yourself. And systems require you to be a part of, an active participant in these systems. And to do that, you need things like collaboration. And, and even beyond that, you need things like co-creation. Mm. And, and that's what's really challenging for people. But the one one really great thing about being inspired by nature is that nature is composed of systems, complex dynamic systems. So if you want models of, gosh, how do these systems work, you really can, you know, look in, just in your own backyard or even in your mirror and look at your, you know, the human as a system. Um, so I think you're starting to get to um, this point, and that is um, what led you to look for a new business um, or should I say leadership models in nature uh, because as I point out in the introduction that, you know, people tend to think that uh, human society is the most organized and we're the most strategic, excuse me, strategic when it comes to leadership. Um, so the idea of looking to nature for leadership 
models um, seem to be a little bit counterintuitive. Um, so what prompted you um, to actually look there for solutions? Well, my background is in, as I said, in engineering, and I also have this interest in nature. And so that combination led me to work in what you talked about, which is biomimicry and in biomimetics, and the idea of creating radical innovations um, and by uh, by using technologies, I'm sorry, by using ideas that you find in biology. So learning to do things the way nature does them. And you you can get absolutely fantastic results from that. It's cross-disciplinary, sustainable, wildly innovative, in addition to being fun. But although biomimetics tends to focus on the design of things and processes, we found it works equally well with businesses, particularly with leadership models. And so we can look to nature for how do you organize? How do you set up systems so you can be act both in your self-interest and help the system, and then the system in return helps you? How to do more with less, how to be um, not just collaborative, but we said co-creative and, and radically innovative. Hmm. So before we talked about specifics, um, let's talk about the characteristics of leadership models from nature that you have studied. What sets them apart from conventional leadership that we have been practicing for centuries in terms of characteristics? Well, it's important to keep in mind, Nancy, that humans are part of nature. That's so right. Whatever, so, yeah, so whatever we do is natural, and our tendency to use that top-down leadership model is is natural for us, and you, and you see that in nature. And what I'm really keen to do is to say, you know, humans have this amazing brain, um, and we have the capacity to do more than one thing. And it's kind of interesting that we spend all this energy creating this great innovations out there, but we tend to use one leadership model, which is this top-down hierarchy, which you do see in nature, and it is natural for humans to organize that way. But we also have other models in nature um, that we can draw upon and and leverage to to, to do what we want to do. Mm, and you talked about being adaptable and flexible. What are other characteristics of um, leadership models that you found in nature that may be lacking in the hierarchy uh, model that we've been using? Well, one of them is is resilience. We keep hearing um, the three terms you always hear out there is like sustainability and um, innovation and resilience, and nature is fantastic at those. So, so nature doesn't work on this predict and protect model, which our businesses tend to do. Instead, it works on being resilient. And I know people throw around that term, but, but what it means is the ability to recover from a disturbance. And nature is full of disturbance, so it has learned that it's better to prepare yourself to be able to recover from disturbance than to predict it and protect against it. So, so that's one thing. Um, another is we tend to focus on either maximizing or minimizing or being really big or being really efficient. And nature tends to optimize and, and in fact, optimize across a system in this dynamic way. It's not one fixed thing. And as you mentioned, it's adaptive. It's very systems-based. Um, organisms in nature try and get the system to do as many things as possible and not do it do these functions themselves. Excellent. Um, sounds like we're off to a good start. Um, it's time for a quick break. You are listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lin. For up-to-date business and innovation trends, go to businessreinvention.com or follow me on Facebook. We'll be back after these messages. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So we just covered the background information about different leadership models um, that we're using right now and what are some of the different characteristics that we can find in nature. Uh, Now, let's talk a little bit more in details. Um, Denise, I know that you have found four different leadership models in nature and um, one of them is hierarchy, uh, which you mentioned that humans have been practicing for centuries. Um, So why don't we start with um, that one? Um, Tell us what... um, this leadership uh, works pretty well. In what situation um, does it work really well? Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to mention that uh, my background is in engineering. I am not a biologist, so if you get the biology a little off, you know, for those of you who are biologists, I, I apologize in advance. But um, one of the benefits of that is that if I find something in biology, most everyone else will be able to understand it too. So, so getting it back to hierarchies. Um, as we've talked about, hierarchies are the top-down leadership model that, that most of our businesses follow. And in a hierarchy, there's always one dominant leader that everyone is supposed to follow, and there's a series of leaders at lower and lower levels. And in, in nature, um, the leaders within hierarchies are constantly tested and reinforced to be sure that the most fit member is leading and to be sure that everyone else follows. Now, this kind of structure works really well in businesses in, in a few different situations. Um, the three classic ones are uh, the military, emergency response, and sports teams. Because in each case, a hierarchy works because action has to be taken um, rapidly and decisively in response to changing and unpredictable conditions. We're saying not all members of the the group have full or timely access to information and all need to act as a coordinated group with the same goal. And, you know, like I said, hierarchies are what our economy has been built on. They're really effective for streamlined decision making, uh, disseminating information in one direction and just making sure stuff gets done when and how needed. What they're not so great at is is because they're based on controlling flows of information and resources um, and making sure information pretty much flows one way, which is top-down, they do tend to stifle new ideas, creativity, and innovative thinking that could emerge from the diversity of individuals interacting within an organization. So what is another leadership model in nature that you found? Okay, there, there are a few, and, and you know, actually there are many different leadership models in nature, but I'm just going to point out ones that most people would be familiar with. And one of them, and sort of the next in line, would be what's called a heterarchy, and heter meaning different leaders. So we're all familiar with this, even if we haven't heard the term. So we've all seen geese or other birds flying in the V formation, right? Right. Yeah, so, and we know that there's always a leader, the, the goose that's out at the front of that V. But interestingly, in a heterarchy, um, different geese take turns being uh, being that leader. Not only does that leader get tired after a while, but no one goose knows the whole way, especially if they're doing a long, you know, migratory journey. And different than a hierarchy, I'm sorry, different than a hierarchy, 
in a hierarchy or in that goose formation, the leader drops back when they think they're no longer fit for purpose. And some other goose that does feel fit for purpose takes the lead. So they're not fighting for that lead position. It's not about gaining power or dominance. It's about making sure the right one is leading given the situation at that time. So is that the same as having co-presidents or are you saying that the leaders are self-selected? Uh, that's, that's a good question. And in human terms, it could be like having co-presidents. I've seen that term used recently and we can talk about that. It, in a hierarchy, it's about um, more of a self-selection process. So, and, and interestingly, in a hierarchy, only a small set of the geese will be a leader at any time. Some of the geese are never fit for purpose to be a leader. So it's not about fairness or equality or giving everyone a chance at all. It's it's about making sure you have the optimal leader um, for the given situation at all times. So, I mean, tell us about this self-selection, would it work in human societies? Because, you know, you think about um, the fact that humans tend to have uh, the focus on self-interest, right? So the idea of, of people actually giving up power to someone else who's more knowledgeable to them seems to be really difficult to implement. So how does it work and in what situation does it work really well? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, just saying, you know, how do we give up power? That just would be you know, incredibly um, challenging for most leaders. And what we're finding is it's not an either or thing. It's not that you have a hierarchy or a hierarchy. You have the hierarchy as the larger umbrella structure and to, to maintain that vision, to maintain the focus, to get stuff done which hierarchies or hierarchies are good at. Within that, though, you can you can loosen up and let go and, and have different kinds of um, leadership structures. One example I read about recently is a company called The Nerdery who develops and builds websites and mobile apps. And they were named one of the top 100 job creators in um, 2012 by Inc. Magazine. And in this company, all employees are called, as you just said, co-president. And it's not a trivial kind of a term just to make them feel good. Um, in this company, each employee has both the freedom and the responsibility to do what's best for the business, regardless of their rank within the company. And apparently the, the former president, who was tragically killed in a plane crash, once said to his people, our job titles are designed to empower us, not limit us. You are part, you are bigger than your defined role, and you are much more than your job title. Play your part, transcend your job title, and be a hero. I mean, I just love that. That is a perfect example of having a hierarchy, people incentivized to be leaders within a traditional hierarchy. And you can imagine people feeling that way within a company probably don't hang Gilbert cartoons in their in their cubicles. Mm. Is, is it also similar to a situation where a company would have a president, but um, a, a project would have several leaders for different phases? Is that kind of what you're talking about here as well? That's, that's another great example, Nancy. So, for example, I come from um, you know, a lot of design work. And in a typical project, whether it's architecture or design of a product, you go through all these different stages, right? So you, have, um, you might have ideation and conceptualization and design and then marketing and implementation. And it's unlikely that one person has sufficient expertise and depth of knowledge to optimally lead each and every stage of that project. But within your team, you have people that could optimally lead um, each and every stage. Some people might lead more than one stage, and some people on the team don't lead any, any stage. But you have, within your team, you take turns being leaders while the whole team is managed within that greater hierarchy. So you don't have to give up that that hierarchy that we're familiar with, but we have more tools available to us to optimize either a given project or parts of our company at different times. Mm, very interesting. And um, the other leadership models that you talked about in your article is swarms. Um, how does that work and what is it? Yeah, okay, so swarms, and it also goes for flocks of birds or schools of fish, are examples in nature that have no leader at all. And gosh, that sounds scary, you know, to yeah. talk about leaders. It's like go from, and it's 
really funny that most people, when they get to a challenging situation, they instantly revert to binary thinking, like this or that. So if there's if there's not a, a top-down leader, there has to be no leader at all, but of course there are other versions than that. Um, and that's really what I want to introduce to business leaders today, given more tools to work with. So in a swarm structure, it works because the whole group is full of feedback loops. So each individual is constantly sensing the world around them and sharing the information with other members of the group really rapidly. They also are constantly sensing the feedback given to them from um, other members of the group. And in this way, the entire group acts, even though there are a whole bunch of individuals and the leader, they act completely in concert with one, one another. So that's why if you see whether it's a huge flock of birds or a, or, um, or a, a school of fish, they can just turn on a dime because of this constant feedback loop um, mechanism that's built in there. And what it requires, in addition to these feedback loops, is that all members have the very same clear goals and that they always follow um, a set of very simple rules, often in the form of if this, then that. Hmm, I'm glad you pointed out because that was the question that came to my mind right away, you know, because leadership or should I say leaderless model sounds almost too good to be true. Um, and I would think it requires a lot of trust in the system to make it work. And you also mentioned a very clear goal. Um, but it also reminds me of a gaming company called Valve um, that has a flat um, organizational structure. And it promotes what it calls um, an adventure in knowing what to do when no one is telling you what to do. Um, <laughs> is that kind of what it is? You know, that's exactly what it is, and that's that's neat to hear of that example. And the, the way that that can work within a company is that the whole, all those people in that company have very clear goal about what their focus is. So they're not just doing anything they want. They have the company has to have very clear goals about what what they're trying to achieve, um, and stay focused on the mission of the company. So whatever it is that they're doing, they have to do that. They can't go off and go, oh, no, I'm going to go, you know, sell pants online. They're, they're, they're in this gaming software business. And, and, it's, and it's funny that we, we think, oh, my God, how could a swarm possibly work? But I guarantee you, every one of your listeners um, has has very effectively participated in swarms. And that's um, that's in traffic. So if you think about it, there are there's no leadership in traffic. Even if you're in a really big city, the only, you know, you're sitting there driving cars at really high speeds within feet or even inches of one another, and we do that without being told what to do, when to do it, because we've all agreed to follow a set of very simple rules, and we all have the same goal of getting <laughs> where we want to go to as quickly and as safely as possible. So we're very experienced in um, in swarms, and we just don't recognize it as such. Mm, good example. So are there advantage and disadvantage of this model? Yeah, so swarms work really well um, when when you want people to just, to cut them loose and say, you know what, you do it the best way you can, whoever you are in whatever way you want to do it. And so it works when it doesn't really matter how something gets from point A to point B, as long as that everyone trusts that it will get from point A to point B when and where and with the characteristics needed. And I think in the company you mentioned, that's probably what's going on. Um in our the example of the project we used earlier, we talked about having a hierarchy within a hierarchy. You can also have a swarm. So, for example, let's say we, we want to say, okay, we want to get this software done by March 1st. And it has to have these characteristics. Go do it. Without any other rules, you can set off a team of people to act like a swarm and get it done um, whatever way suits them best. Now, conversely, swarms don't work when these conditions are not present. Like, for example, in the military emergency response or sports teams that we talked about. So swarms tend to fall apart when individuals in the group think they all have a common goal and they're all following the set, set of same rules, but that's not actually the case. So it actually takes a really strong leadership model to set a really strong vision and focus in order for swarms to work. Mm, and high transparency, sounds like. Yes, yes. All right. It looks like um, we need to take another break. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. For up-to-date business and innovation trends, go to businessreinvention.com. We'll be back after these messages.
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email nancylynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So just before the break, we were talking about Swarm's um, leadership model. Um, it sounds very refreshing, but also very challenging to implement. Um, is there another um, example in business world that we have seen that works? Yeah, they're challenging to implement because, as we talked about, all businesses, large and small, have to have some sort of structure and leadership in place because humans are social animals and we're thinkers and we're creative. And so we'll go off and do our own thing if we don't have some kind of structure and focus. So leaders are like the visionaries, the anchors, and the guides for the organization, and the responsible for the effectiveness of an organization as a whole. So a swarm model that's leaderless isn't appropriate for a whole company, but it can be really fantastic if for, for learning and responding to changes around them, for free flow of communication, um, being quickly learning and, and sharing it throughout a, a company quickly, which of course are things that we have to do today. And one example that I found um, sort of surprisingly was this huge company, the Virgin Group. Where you might be familiar with Virgin Records, Virgin Airlines. Um, and you might consider them, I don't think they consider themselves this, but I, I might consider them a swarm within a hierarchy sort of a model. So Virgin Group is actually composed of over 300 different small to mid-sized firms. And they each share that brand name, the Virgin name, and they have really clear common values, but each of them operates autonomously. So the Virgin Group does not have a hierarchical presence within that whole empire, but the leader, Richard Branson, either holds ownership to the firm as CEO or has a minority or majority stakeholder, stakeholder in it. So this model is completely decentralized with each unit making their own business decisions, which are appropriate for that particular market location and conditions. So they have the benefit of this um, niche-oriented, rapid response um, autonomy coupled with the benefit when and where needed of this giant scale and cross-fertilization. So Virgin has been really successful because they believe in the power of entrepreneurship within their own company and innovation to help them rise to their new um, challenges. And they also believe, like in a swarm, that their success lies in the hands of the employees. So they're the, like, they're the eyes and the ears of the whole company at that com- um, at the customer interface, and that they're the visible face of the brand. That's just like in a swarm where the, the fish on the outside are the ones that are sensing and responding to the environment and quickly send that information back to the whole group so the whole group can respond, but they don't have to be out there all the time um, 
identifying this. Mm. And the, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say the reason why this works, though, is because Richard Branson has a really strong um, philosophy, really strong vision. And so even though he's not making decisions top down in a, in a really strong way, he has this really strong core vision and so that all the companies are in alignment um, with that brand and with those um, core values. So, the, so because he's so strong that way, he can give them the freedom to act independently. Mm. So it sounds like once you have very well-defined framework, then you are able to empower employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other leadership model that you also um, uh, talked about in your article is called um, Roots and Shoots. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, and I don't think um, many biologists would um, <laughs> would think of this as a, as a leadership model. And in fact, most of us would not think of this as leadership. But the Roots and Shoots model is particularly relevant to leaders interested in either innovation or sustainability. And to understand what I mean by this, I'm actually going to describe an example that's not really a, a root or a shoot, and that's lichen. And we've all seen that colorful kind of green, gray, or yellow stuff that grows on the surfaces of rocks or even on buildings and on sidewalks. Right. So, so that's lichen. And what lichen is is a combination of algae and, and fungi. So algae is the green stuff you see in, in lakes, and fungi are like mushrooms. And... So lichen can grow in these incredibly inhospitable places like a bare rock, a place where nothing else has been able to grow because they have this perfect synergy or partnership between this algae and fungi. So the algae um, are able to convert energy from the sun into food for itself and the fungi. And the fungi in turn protect the algae from drying out and they can pull minerals out of that rock. So together, they make it possible for both of them to live where neither one could survive um, alone. Now, interestingly, algae can be found in lots of places, and fungi can't, but neither one of them could grow on, on a bare rock without each other. Mm. So is it fair to say that it is sort of codependency co between a company and its key suppliers or maybe between businesses and um, their ecosystem? I mean, wh what would be the analogy for, um, for in the business world? Well, those are, those are both um, great analogies. And um, the, the other one um, is, is in um, the other part of the roots and shoots model is um, a seed. So, um, if you think about it, um, seeds are, are leaders, so, that, so they lead the life of a new plant or perhaps the establishment of the whole plant species in, in a new place. Now, most of the time, a seed will stay dormant for as long as possible. It'll just sit there, and it won't sprout until the conditions are hospitable. And from that seed emerges its roots and shoots, and those are the leaders of that particular plant, and this is where the model gets its name. So seeds are able to do this through a whole combination of strategies. So one is like the synergy, like the lichen. But a seed has a protective shell that only opens when conditions are right for germination. And it can carry sufficient food within itself so it can survive until those roots and shoots can establish and start bringing in resources from the outside world. So you can imagine a spinoff of a company, you know, innovative spinoff, being like a seed. It has to be protected and has to have enough resources to survive until it can start to survive um, on its own. It so, has, yeah, uh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Well, it also has to have sensors so it knows when is it time. Hmm. So you don't just go launch something because it's a good idea. You think it's a good idea. The it, it responds. Most seeds don't open until the environment tells it to do so, whether it's a fire or it's been eaten and dropped by a bird or it's moist enough or it's been through some kind of freezing cycle like you have in the wintertime. So even though it's all ready to go, it doesn't open until the conditions tell it um, it's ready. Hmm. So you talked about um, the relevancy to innovation for this particular leadership model. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that's applicable and is there a company that has been successful or, uh, or is a great role model for this particular leadership style? Yeah, well, you know, the, the reason, reason why this is so important for leaders, particularly of innovation, because and I work in sustainability and sustainable innovation. So leaders 
I, I believe you know all your listeners. They're listening because they, they want new models, right? So so they're already innovative, and they have embedded in their hearts and in their minds the seeds metaphorically of how things could be. They've got a vision of that future, you know, plant, um, and their ideas need to take uh, to sprout and take root. Sometimes where no other ideas exist, and where there is initially no support. And we have, you know, so many startups fail. You say, well, what? How do startups in nature succeed? And the idea of lichen or this complete synergy, you know, so one has certain characteristics that are good, but it can't survive, and another has characteristics, other characteristics that are great, but it can't survive. But together, um, they can. And one example, you know, that's that's kind of an old, you know, idea. But curiously, people don't really look for that complete synergy, looking at how can we survive together where neither one of us could have survived um, alone. And one great example that I came across recently is um, Zumba Fitness. Um, they both have that synergy model, and we can talk about this maybe after the break. Um, they really follow this fantastic whole ecosystem model. But the synergy part of it is, Back in the 90s, this guy, Alberto Perez, um, started this fantastically popular dance-based fitness class. And, he, it, you know, it was he was doing fine as an individual instructor, but it wasn't until he created a synergy with a very business-minded person named Alberto and then actually brought in another Alberto um, for operations that Zumba Fitness really began to take off. So you're talking about... Um partnerships and collaboration and how they are important to innovation is that what you're referring to exactly and you keep using the word collaboration and I keep coming back <laughs> with the term co-creation so I always think there's a sequence of there's this comp- competition where you're fighting with one another and there's certain benefits to that kind of sorting out territory or it keeps you on your toes and we tend to rely heavily on that and now then we kind of loosen up and we get to cooperation and then along that line, then you get to collaboration where you're actually working together. The step beyond that that's really fantastic and that we can learn from nature is called co-creation. That's when you put two or more people together, organizations together, and you get what we call emergent properties, things that neither one of would have thought of themselves. So it's not just, you know, one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals who knows? It's something that no one has ever imagined. And that's what's really fantastic about learning not just models from nature, but we have a bunch of skill sets that um, we've developed from nature that really help with not just collaboration, but this co-creation and creating these synergies and, and networks. What about innovation within a company? Um, how do you help companies um, collaborate um, among different business units or perhaps different departments um, to co-create uh, an innovative idea? Yeah, that's a great question because most conventional um, business organizational structures and models, as we talked about earlier, really stifle creativity because creativity requires you to ask better questions um, and, and to fail a lot. So you go, okay, I'm going to try this and try this and try this. That's how nature works. But Companies really, um, pro- conventional companies uh, want you to come up with solutions and come up with solutions now, and failure is not rewarded. So one of the things that we like to do is um, come up with activities that companies can do to help them um, do things differently, as simple as uh, going outside, uh, learning how to ask questions instead of um, looking for answers. We have an activity that how do you keep working towards positive outcomes together instead of um, being just brainstorming or being critical of, of each other's ideas? So those are the kind of things that we, we really love to do with um, companies and other organizations to get that, that co-creativity flowing. Great. Um, well, when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit about what are some of the good expressions that people can ask um, themselves um, when they work on innovation. You're listening to Business Reinvention, and we'll be back after these messages. Weather.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In today's marketplace, your ability to open up the way you think and adapt to change allows your business to stay ahead of curve and perform at a higher level. At Change Agent SF, we can provide you with the tools and coaching to become an effective leader to grow your business. Contact us today at 415-322-9073 or email Nancy Lynn at info at changeagentsf.com for more information. Transform your leadership and business with Change Agent SF. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Business Reinvention with Nancy Lynn. To join in on this week's discussion, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to Business Reinvention. So, Denise, before the break, um, you touched on um, some of the innovation process. And I'm curious about what are some of the questions that companies can ask themselves to kind of get them started to, should we say, you know, breeding the seed of innovation? Uh, that, that's a great question because, like, where do you start? And as we said, it, it can be really scary to say, oh, my gosh, all these models mean the top-down structure has to let go of control and, and power. And what we like to do um, when we work with organizations is to really just start doing some activities so they develop certain skills. Because, you know, people, you know, the listeners of the show are obviously really bright people and they're passionate and they're innovative. So they've, they've got knowledge and it, and it doesn't take much to catch up on the knowledge behind this stuff. But what we're finding is that most people lack the basic skills to carry it out. So the top-down structure and the habits that we've all formed, the ways we relate to one another, really stifle um, innovation, particularly radical innovation and, and creativity. So what we like to do is, is come in and just say, let's just give these things a go. So let's, let's practice something. And we have people practice something, and the response is often, oh, my gosh. Um, I, had, I had one example where I was with an organization who was trying to um, put innovation into their company or into their organization, and they were um, they formed a committee to do so. And the biggest challenge was they couldn't get their committee to agree on things and to move ahead, so they, you know, they weren't getting very far. And I introduced this activity um, to them on um, creativity inspired by nature, and we only spent like five minutes on it, and then the room went silent. And I thought, oh no, this didn't work very well, even though I thought they had done it really well. But then the, the host said, is it me, or do we accomplish more in this five minutes than we've done in the past six months? And that's how leadership inspired by nature can release not just creativity, but co-creativity, respecting one another, building one on one another's ideas. And then once you see that happen, you gain this, like you were saying earlier, this trust to let go and let people in the, quote, lower ranks start making decisions, submitting their ideas within your, your more controlled um, hierarchical framework. So we talked about four different leadership models today. Um, I mean, do companies use one of them and decide, you know, which one is fits them the best, or do they actually interchange um, between different models depending on the situation? Um, and, and if that's the case, what are the signs to watch out for that signals the need for change? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, and 
Like in nature, I mentioned four different leadership models, but there are many. And in fact, most of the time when you see one leadership model, let's say a wolf pack is clearly hierarchical. There's the quote, top dog, right? But they don't function that way all the time. So when they're doing certain things, they might be in a swarm. They may do lots of activities without a leader at all. Then they go back to their hierarchical structure when that's needed. So it's not a this or that. What I'd love to do is to share all these different models with with business leaders. So they, they have this bigger tool set. And they would, they would know intuitively, you know what, these, I can let these guys go. I can cut this group loose and they can act as a swarm for a while. Or maybe this part of the company would work better with a hierarchy where um, different people take turns depending on where in the project they are. And maybe that works for a while and then they can shift to another one. So they have a whole set of tools and leadership models that they can play with. And then as things emerge, they'll they'll find out what works best and, and when. Yeah, it's interesting to, to see how animals actually um, switch different leadership models depending on the situations, which don't always happen in corporations um, unless there is a change um, of hands on the top. Um, so it's really interesting to hear about how we need to be more adaptable um, depending on how the situation change, uh, specifically because, um, like you said earlier, um, it, the, the change, the pace of change is really accelerating. Yes, um, dramatically so too, and, and it makes things really unpredictable, which is why that old top-down predict and protect model doesn't really work anymore. Mm. So what kind of reception or question do you usually get so far from companies when you talk about the ideas of leadership from nature? It's interesting, um, Nancy, because there's a term called uh, biophilia that this um, this guy, E.O. Wilson, he's a professor at Harvard. Some people may have seen um, some documentaries on his work with ants. He came up with the term biophilia, meaning love of nature. And he says all of us, because we're human, we're part of nature, we have this inherent love of nature. And one interesting thing that happens during some of our workshops, even though we're trying to introduce whether it's sustainable innovation or biomimetic design or you know different business models, reconnecting people with nature is an overwhelming experience. And sometimes that is the very thing that people walk away with, like, wow, I forgot about nature. And that itself is this really, it's this huge, uh, wonderful thing for people, and it makes them more creative, more open-minded, and they go back, even if they do nothing else, that's a fantastic experience. And in fact, that's one of the things we do in our workshops, is just take people outside. Um, and just uh, because being back in that sort of environment is really uh, optimal for human beings and and we're instantly more creative, more open-minded, and we're much more able to work with one another when, when we get outside. That's great, and I think that's a good way to end the conversation today. Uh, Denise, I want to thank you for being with us today, and I hope to hear more about your work in the future. Oh, thank you, Nancy, and I hope so too. Thank you, Denise. Um, I also want to thank those in the audience for joining me today. Um, have you had a opportunity to examine where your leadership is effective and where is it not and what do you want to be known for that you are not yet known for what is one thing that you could do differently that could uh, make the biggest difference well i'm going to leave you with this question to help you think about your leadership strategy and i hope today's discussion offers some new ideas and insight for you as you examine your leadership please join me again next monday at 4 p.m pacific time for another great session thank you and i hope to talk to you then have a good weekend or excuse me have a good week thanks we hope that you've enjoyed business reinvention with nancy lynn Please join us for another edition of our groundbreaking program next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll find the inspiration for change over the coming week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.